It's Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. This is where we bring together a panel of award-winning journalists from throughout the East End to talk uh, about the week's headlines and do a little bit of a deeper dive into the news. I'm Joe Shaw. I am the executive editor of the Express News Group. We publish the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, and the website 27 East. Com. And with me is my co-host, Bill Sutton, who's the managing editor of the Express News Group. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, everybody. Good to have you here. And our panelists this week, Beth Young, who is the editor of the East End Beacon. Hey, Beth. Hi, Joe. Good to have you. Uh, we have Oliver Peterson, who's managing editor of DancePapers.com. Hey, how you doing, Oliver? Good. How are you? Thanks for joining us. And Denise Civiletti, who's the editor of Riverhead Local. Hey, Denise. Good morning. Good morning. So I think we're going to, so we have a lot of topics. We want to talk about uh, cannabis and we want to talk about how the region is sometimes represented on TV shows and a couple other topics. But let's start with uh, the Town Square project in Riverhead, which uh, you wrote about this week. And uh, I'm curious to get your take on the unveiling of some of the artist renderings and what some of the plans are. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what that project is. Sure. Uh, well, it, that project is, um, by all, uh, by any measure, ambitious. Um, it is uh, calling for. Uh, so, first of all, it was um, unveiled yesterday by um, J- Joe Petroselli. Uh, Joe J. Petroselli Development Associates is his business. He's from the uh, Petroselli family. They um, they're well known throughout. The region, they're a big construction company, uh, Petroselli Construction, and he's one of the sons of the founder of the company. Um, he is, was one of the people who he built the uh, Long Island Aquarium, um, and he built the Preston House and Hotel. Um, he has restored um, a historic home known as the East Lawn building uh, that was in ownership of Riverhead Town, which let it kind of go to rack and ruin over a period of a couple of decades. Um, and he restored that in a beautiful way. Um, so he's, he's done some work in the past he's, in Riverhead. He's done, he's done yeah, a lot of work in Riverhead and um, is, uh, um, I yeah. think, very com- committed to the town. Um, yeah, Preston House is just really beautiful if he did yeah, that. Yeah, it really gorgeous. is. Um, is that a local family- company? It's a local company, Denise? So uh, Petroselli Construction is, I believe, based in Ronkonkoma, I think. Oh, okay. Um, but they they built uh, the Duck Stadium. Um, oh, okay. And, oh, and the family, yeah, they're, they're a big construction company. And he, I guess he's got his own thing, Jay Petroselli Development. Uh, they, they got the contract, they bid on and got the contract to uh, demolish the two buildings that the town uh, tore down to make way for the town square. And um, he, where are uh, those two buildings, Denise? That's is that the uh, where, where exactly in Riverhead are we talking about? Okay, so we're talking about East Main Street. Good point. Uh, kind of directly across from the Suffolk Theater entrance. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it was a couple of uh, older, you know, one of them was really uh, blighted and dilapidated, and could you could do nothing but tear it down. The other one was marginal but functional. And the town bought the two of those, plus a third building um, that's kind of a two-story office building where uh, the crafted places, it's a, a, I don't know, what would you call it? Kind of a, a, a pub, a bar, a club. Very um, popular. That's a very popular place. It's uh, It serves craft brewery, craft brewed beer and, and wine. Um, and uh, a lot of people, you know, go there and, and love it. Um, with, and that building, this uh two-story office building where Crafted is, is right next door to the little blue East End Arts uh, gallery building for its purposes of people usually know where that is too. So it's like that block of, of buildings there. So um, there's a lot going on on that side of Main Street. Um, they, so the town t- tore these two buildings down and they weren't sure what that was going to happen with the third building, but they were looking into, they said to a public-private partnership to um, make this town square a reality. And um, at some point, apparently, they got to talking to Joe Petroselli and um, he had he put together a team and they put together this proposal, which was publicly presented for the first time um, yesterday at the town board work session. Um, 
So and, is it uh, is it residential? Is it commercial? What, what, what uh, well, it? it's it's a, it's a little bit of everything, <laughs> Joe. Uh, so what they're taught, what he's talking about doing is um, actually t- demolishing that third building that the town bought and building on that site um, an, another hotel, uh, which wow. I thought was really interesting hotel. and that, for me at least unexpected. Now he, in addition to building the, uh, I'm sorry, I left this out the aquarium and the Hyatt Place East End Hotel. I think of that all as one thing, but it really isn't. But the same company owns the Hyatt Place on East Main Street and the aquarium and um, the Preston House. He, he built those things, but he is also a principal in the company that operates those, those um, attractions, you know, facilities on East Main Street. Um, and they are, of course, destinations. So I thought I found it interesting that he's proposing another hotel because that says something about the demand for hotel rooms. Sure. Um, it's going to be a, a boutique hotel, uh, 84. He's proposing it's 84 rooms. Uh, it would be a four story building um, and it would have retail um, shops and such on the ground level. Um, and then that would open to um, this open space, Town Square. That's directly again across from the Suffolk Theater uh, marquee, and then um, so it would be sort of a literal town square, like a like an open plaza. Yes, um, yes. The, the, the great thing I think about that, Joe, is, is that it really opens up Main Street to to the riverfront. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you, so you have that. You'd be you'll be driving on Main Street and look over and be able to see the river. And and right now, that whole riverfront. I mean, there's it's it's a nice little park back there, but it's really hidden. If you don't know, you know yeah. how to and get back there. It's mostly a parking lot. Exactly right. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, and it's really segregated from Main Street. You're right. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the whole, the beautiful riverfront there is really blocked off from Main Street from the, but with the buildings, you're right. So, I, I think mean, that you know, was part of, part of the intent of this was, was to kind of, you know, develop that riverfront a little more, open up Main Street. So that that's absolutely can, right. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly, the, that was a goal that was, uh, when they did this planning study and came up with the this idea of the town square, that was, that was the main goal because, you know, for as long as I've been living in Riverhead, um, everybody has always said, oh, this town turned its back on the river and, you know, uh-huh. it's ostensibly its best uh, asset uh, downtown. And um, so, you know, yeah, this would do that. Um, and there would be this open space that um, could be put to a variety of uses. And then to the uh, east of that, adjoining that, um, there's a now there's a building that was uh, purchased by the Long Island Science Center. Yeah, just gonna and the Science Center plans to redevelop that building. I'm not sure if they're going to tear it down or not. We haven't seen plans for that yet, but as their new home and museum, and they're going to have a planetarium there and meeting oh. and conference spaces. Yeah, that, I, I, that should be really pretty cool. Um, I've, I've seen some renders of, of what they were proposing. I don't know if they're still, have you, you know, the... Um, I don't know if they're still in effect because this was in like December, but they did have some renders out when they got that big grant. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and it was pretty cool looking. I don't know if that's still, are they still following those? Do you know? Well, I, I don't, to my knowledge, they haven't filed anything yet. So I don't really know. I mean, yeah. I, I know, you know, that those are the, the plans that they talked about, which again, you know, as you said, are really cool. Um, so the, the, the other interesting thing about the Petroselli plan is he's talking about um, putting a two-story building on that um, on the eastern fringe, if you will, of the town square property of that open prop space that would have um, retail on you know retail small retail shops on the ground level and offices on the second story, and that would be kind of like right abutting the. Um, the Long Island Science Center building. So I don't know how that works because yeah. the Science Center was talking about having their main entrance on the town square, you know? Um, right. So I'm not sure. I, I mean, I'm sure there's has been or will be communication with them about that. But the Petroselli plan goes beyond that and goes into the, you know, what is now the parking, that vast, uh, you know, expanse of asphalt in the back to um, any proposed things for that area including um a boathouse and a, and a dock on on the river um and don't forget the uh 
Boy, I keep forgetting all the things that the Petroselli. Uh, <laughs> so they have the uh, marina. <laughs> so there's <laughs> a marina also in corporate. There, wow. Is there, well, yeah, is there a, there's any, any I was residential? I'll get to that in a minute. But so the existing structures that this, this group owns are the Long Island Aquarium and Sea Star Ballroom, the Hyatt Place East End, and a marina that's kind of behind there that was actually kind of the first thing that was there. Um, that they own and operate in addition to the Preston House and uh, down the block a little, the East, East Lawn Building. So he's talking about putting this like a boathouse and then um, uh, an amphitheater for, you know, wow. uh, and then also a, a, a recreational area with like a, a basketball court, a shower, a sprinkler, you know, fountains and a playground baseball, and that baseball kind of, ballpark know. and an NFL stadium. <laughs> no, all it sounds like it's a little bit of everything, like you said. Is it? But wait, are there's there, more. So, I, I, I know there's a lot of residential projects in Riverhead right now. Is yeah. there a residential so, aspect? So there, I, so there is. So I'm going kind of from like east to west. So and then on the western end of the parking lot would be under this plan a four-story uh, condominium wow. uh, development. Um, now, the town has been talking about needing to have um, uh, owner-occupied housing downtown, an opportunity for some of that. Everything so far has been uh, rental apartments. And so he's talking about putting this building kind of in the vicinity of uh, the Summer Wind Square in that area, uh, which is uh, that fronts on Peconic Avenue and the entrance to Pecon entrance to that back parking lot there yeah. from Peconic Avenue. So in that kind of in that vicinity, in that part of the town owned parking lot. And um, then he says all of this is contingent on the town providing some kind of structured parking on uh, behind the Suffolk Theater, like that, that, in that parking lot. And the town owns makes the land. So they'd be yeah. owning condos that are on land owned by the town. Well, I it's, would imagine yeah. that there would be some kind of transfer yeah. to, yeah. you know, so I, you know, but, yeah, I, I, mean, I think this is all pretty conceptual right now, right. you know, like, yeah. I, I mean, it may not be how this may not be what shakes out in the end, but like, but what, I, like a, what said, a great, what a great <laughs> concept. I mean, that's, yeah. that's just, I mean, that, I mean, I mean, the, the the town has done a lot with with Main Street over over the last few years, but this would take it right, you know, just to a new level. I think. That, right, and yeah. I think, that, and you know, that's the idea, right? I mean, that's you yeah. know, um, it would be transformative, no question. I, I, what? Take a step back, Denise. I, I think it's interesting that this all goes back to the arrival of the aquarium. That I, I think at the time that happened, a lot of people said the aquarium will help revive Riverhead. I'm not sure people realized that that it would be quite this direct and you know that the same ownership has started to expand off of that property and we got the hotel we got as you said the 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 other developments there and now this big project it's amazing how yeah. that stuff sort of takes on a momentum once it gets rolling and and, and you know this guy does really good work you know i mean it's uh, uh, you know i've joked that uh, yeah, you know, why don't they just give them the whole downtown and say, "Here, do it." You know, oh, um, sounds, and maybe sounds, maybe they're doing that. that. Sounds like this is a large part of it. <laughs> but um, you know, you know what I'm intrigued by too, um, being the Southampton paper is across the the river in Riverside. There, hmm? there's always been a lot of talk about development there and and pedestrian bridges and things like that. If you have this kind of a big project right in the center of Riverhead along the river like that. I think it really opens up the possibilities of, of that stretch of Riverside. Also, the, the waterfront being developed in a way that that sort of ties it all together. It's a, it's exciting. You can really build on, yeah, on sure. projects like that. I, I really think you got to get the sewer squared uh, away over there. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. We had a, an express sessions on a uh, session on affordable housing last week. And Tommy John Scavone, who was Southampton town board member, was um, was there and, and he did mention, you know, they're, they're trying to plow forward, no pun intended, on on sewer projects in, in Flanders Riverside, um, um, you know, as far as, you know, to, to help with, with housing issues. But but I think, if, you know, that would also provide for the opportunities for um, for redevelopment. I mean, it's yeah, a I really is, can't happen with that. Yeah. Yeah. River, Riverhead is really uh, a hot spot right now, isn't it? I mean, there's just yeah. a lot happening. 
in downtown Riverhead right now. We're going to be seeing a lot more because, you know, there's a, a group of investors that have made a lot of purchases in downtown. And so, Denise, that was going to be my next question is what's the local reaction? You know, are people in favor of this project? Are they excited about it or is there some opposition? Well, I mean, it's, I would say not just this project, but everything that's happened so far downtown, uh, there's a really uh, mixed reaction to it. Um, there are people who are excited about it. And then there are people who are kind of freaked out by it uh, because it's really, you know, you can see it already. It's changing the face of downtown Riverhead. And, you know, there are people who say, well, yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> it needed it needed a change. Yeah. And, and then there are other people who are saying, well, this isn't the kind of change that we envisioned. This is not, this is changing the character of the downtown. Um, you know, they're generally, um, the opposition focuses, I think, on the height of the buildings that have gone up. I mean, they're, you know, a bunch of five-story buildings. And um, a lot of people react very negatively to the height of those buildings. Um, and um, there are some, there are some, uh, aspects of the river, the, the town zoning code that um, made those made the impact of those buildings a little harsher on the streetscape than they really needed to be. Like it, they allow it allows um, 100% lock coverage, so um, be, so they could build they take up their whole parcel with a, a brick building or you know some kind of building. Yeah. They don't make things yeah. out of brick anymore. Um, and That's so. Not, okay. Go ahead, finish your thoughts, No, they're tweaking. They're in the process of tweaking the code as part of, I think, the comp plan update well, they, they, and the uh, this pattern book that they adopted that um, will change that, you know, will change the 100% lot coverage, will require buildings to be stepped at back and, and such. But it's kind of like some of that's already happened. So it's already had those impacts that people have adverse reactions to. Um, so I don't, you know, Close, I have closing the barn door after the horse gets out. Kind yeah, of. kind of. That's and how so we do I haven't here. heard much about the Petroselli proposal, and I haven't had time to brace myself and look at our Facebook page to see what that looked like. But um, it's, it, you know, I'm I'm expecting that this will not be a, without, you know, significant controversy. Frankly, I, I just, yeah. you know. And um, does, does the fact that the properties are, are town owned and, and not necessarily subject to to zoning or, or maybe able to do quick zoning changes, is that going to come into play? Does that expedite this project? Um, well, I mean, they, they, I, they boy, they can't not follow their own zoning, I think. I don't know. If that, <laughs> yeah. Morally, if nothing else, um, I you know, will it be expedited? Um, yeah, I mean, like for one thing, you know, I don't know where they're, they never solicited bids for this, like right. for this master developer thing, like they did with the Railroad Avenue. Uh, and um, so I'm sure that's going to be a point of contention among some people, perhaps competitors even, like, I don't know, you know, they've been talking with Mr. Petroselli and, um, you know, he's been talking with their consultants and, um, you know, they rolled this out yesterday and said, and, you know, here's a, they, they're, they're going, they're prepared to appoint him as master developer for this project. So, you know, it's, you know. it's interesting because you have a guy who's already had a vision for yeah. some of the development in Riverhead and you sort of let them, let them continue that visions kind of makes sense. Beth, before we move on, I, I, you know, you've been observing the South Fork uh, for years and I, I look at a project like this and it just seems like this is not a project that would get any kind of traction in any of the villages on the South Fork. And I wonder if South Fork communities might be looking at Riverhead and going, good, you, you guys do that. <laughs> Keep it up there. Well, I mean, this, yeah, the scale and the type of construction there has always been different. Yeah. I mean, it's the county seat. Um, there's always been a lot of brick buildings and that sort of um uh, massing is just very, very different. And, and it's been sewered. So that's possible. I mean, if you look in like Sag Harbor village, it's, I, is it the only place that has three stories? Mm -hmm. on yeah, the South yes. Um, and that's because they they're sewered. So that, that plays a major, major role in it. But I mean, it's very interesting if you walk from downtown Riverhead and you stop in front of the East end arts compound, 
which is like this little, these two little houses in the middle of like either side is just walls and walls and walls of these brand new buildings. Right. And, and this is, this town square is right next to there. Um, so it's going to be even, even more like, what is this little place in the middle of everything? It's like that um, old, but, old, old cartoon of the homeowner that holds out and they, <laughs> and they build the, the, you know, the big high rise around them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, building this other building on Main Street next to the Science Center uh, seems to defeat the purpose of what they initially said was to have open up the the, the um, view to the water. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, so, I know views so aren't everything, it, but it, it infringes on it anyway. Yeah, that was their initial stated purpose. Yeah. But it's not going to take it's not going to take up the whole open space of yeah. the square, according right. to the schematics anyway. But. Uh, you know, but yes, it definitely infringes on that space. To, to your question, Joe, so so West Hampton Beach Village is in the midst of their sewer project, um, and they do have proposed on the old uh, corner bank lot property a little uh, a little a little hotel, and and I think they're going to be looking at development. Certainly not to the scale and you know um, of 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 Riverhead, but I think you're going to see some. You, you may see some changes there in, in the uh, in the coming years too. Not to mention Sag Harbor, which is right. in the midst of a big proposal that could really rework that waterfront. So yeah, yeah. but Riverhead right now, I think, is very much leading the way in ambition. Uh, something we'll keep an eye on, Denise. We're going to expect you to keep us updated. So please, <laughs> please continue what you're doing. Uh, okay, this <laughs> This is Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. I'm Joe Shaw. My co-host is Bill Sutton. We're with the Express News Group. Our panelists today are Beth Young from the East End Beacon, Oliver Peterson from DancePapers.com, and Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local. And Oliver, I, I want to talk a little bit about, so you had mentioned that there's a new TV show now, uh, the latest in a series of shows that's set on the South Fork. Uh, and tell us a little bit about what this new show is. It's called Serving the Hamptons. Yes. So uh, it's on Discovery Plus, um, which is a streaming service. Um, and uh, basically, uh, uh, if you guys are familiar with 75 Main Restaurant on Main Street, um, I'm sure you are. And Zach Erdem, the owner. Uh, so he um, has, you know, he bought the restaurant in, I believe, 2012 and um, as sort of built up this reputation as sort of this, uh, you know, hobnobbing with celebrities and attracting sort of A-listers to the restaurant. Anyway, uh, I guess he said that uh, he, he told me that they had, people had been floating around this idea of doing a show there for years. And finally, this producer came to him and actually made it happen last summer. Um, and it just came out uh, on April 7th, I believe. And, uh, so yeah, it's just it's a it's a it's basically like a Vanderpump Rules. This is a show on Bravo. It's sort of that idea, sort of the a restaurant, you know, young, sexy, you know, 20s, 30 somethings, I guess probably 20 somethings in this case. So it's it's not just about running a restaurant. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a reality show. It's I mean it's a, you know, he they have the sort of a lot of the sort of reality show tropes and the fact that you know he that he has provided the staff, uh, you know, a communal, beautiful beach house to live in where they can get up to all sorts of shenanigans and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> and so that's interesting. And the Hamptons. You know, yes. Yeah. And we've seen, <laughs> there's been a, there's been a bevy of these uh, shows, right? I mean, we, there, I think there was a uh, beach house. Uh, I, I think that's still going, right? I, I think uh, out in Montauk. Summer house. Um, I mean, it's not in Montauk summer house. Anymore. That's it. It's yes. Not Montauk anymore, but uh, I mean, the house isn't. But um, and we've had we've had some other uh, other shows uh, in the last few years. How do you think? Uh, you know, and we were talking before we came on the air, and I said, you know, I'm dating myself, but I remember back in I believe it was '99, uh, and Barbara Koppel, the great documentarian, did the 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 first really major, I think. Uh, documentary about the Hamptons that aired on on national television. Um, people people had back then reacted very badly to the way that the the region was presented, and it's funny now because I think these shows present it in in a very similar way, but it's but it's for entertainment value rather than documentary value. I mean, what, how, what do you think the local reaction is 
to shows like this? Do people just sort of look the other way or is there sort of a, a, a curiosity? Well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I noticed that, you know, I've written a few things about this show. So, you know, in the lead up, um, we put up a few posts on dancepapers.com. Um, and, uh, you know, we certainly have got a lot of, com- you know, as, as a lot of comments of people sort of eye rolling about it and oh, this isn't the way the Hamptons should be represented and et cetera. Um, and I get that. I, I, I of course, uh, get that. Um, yet one thing I also find funny is that, as you may know, we Dance Papers does sort of some celebrity type content, and uh, they get the most people who are like commenting about who cares about this. This is stupid. And then, yet if you look at the analytics, they also have the most. Um, oh yes. People reading them. So yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Well, we survived the Kardashians. Yeah. I right. mean, we did have a summer with the Kardashians, and that was distracting, but uh, I don't think it was too devastating for the region. I, we had, I remember there were a couple of flare ups. And uh, MTV did Hamptons Beach House for a couple summers back 20 right. years ago, too. I remember, I remember covering that a little bit. I remember when that, when that couple documentary came out, I had just moved to, to West Hampton Beach at the time, and, and all my friends and neighbors upstate were saying, that's where you're living. And I'm like, kind of, (laughs) it's not, not a complete picture, but that I, you know, I, I wonder how much of that feeds back on the negativity that, that some people feel that, that, that it sort of, those shows have a tendency to uh, paint with very broad brushes and it sort of feeds into this notion of the region and it's, and it's uh, upper class or at least moneyed, uh, background and I think a lot of a lot of local folks bristle at that, but ah, quite frankly, there's only so many local folks left to bristle because I feel like so many of us have uh-huh. been are, are starting to get priced out, and it's it really is turning into sort of a playground for the rich. You know, it's been that for a while, but it's becoming almost exclusively that. Well, there was always the Hamptons, and then there was the South Fork, right? And and I think we're we're kind of losing a little bit of the South Fork to the Hamptons. Yeah, do you guys watch these shows? Do you? No. <laughs> uh, no, no, not. I mean, beyond a uh, beyond a uh, as a um, journalistic interest, I not. So Oliver's watching. required to watch them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's interesting to me because in most of America, if there was a TV show being filmed in our backyard, we're going to watch it because yeah. hey, you know this this re- and we just sort of go eh. It's, it's another TV show. It's yeah. fun to see. Sometimes it's fun to see when you, you know, when you know the per, you know, you might see someone you know in the background. I mean, um, you know, even with Zach Erdem, it was, you know, um, we've gotten to know him a tiny bit over the, not a lot, but just through the restaurant and working with them and whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, so it's, I, it's fun to see him on there. And, you know, this is a guy who, I don't know if you know his story, but this is a guy who, grew up in Turkey uh, as like, you know, and it was like, you know, farming uh, sheep and living in a place where they had no television and mm. you know, barely had running water type of situation. And uh, he finds, uh, I don't know if you've heard this story, but he's, you know, he's told it a few times, but he finds this piece of newspaper by the train station uh, with a picture of Manhattan in it. And he says, and he'd never seen anything like it. And he put it in his pocket and he held onto it um, and like never really showed anybody and just dreamed of going to Manhattan. And then, uh, you know, years later he goes, shows up here with nothing and, uh, you know, literally like homeless, nothing. And through a few lucky breaks and meeting the right people ended up out in, out in Hamptons and became a, got a job working at uh, 75 main uh, eventually and uh, ended up owning the place. So it's a pretty amazing success story an American dream type story, you know, that really is. That's an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope they talk, I hope they talk about that on the show. And And it's all because uh, of the newspaper. Point that out again. There you go. (laughs) Print print newspaper. It's important to have that newsprint lying around the train station. Uh, otherwise, a lot of people won't won't reach their potential. I, I'm really intrigued, and I actually think I'm going to seek out the show just just out of curiosity, if nothing sure. else. So, uh, 
that show sounds like one that might be worth seeing. Uh, this is Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM, and it may be a little bit of a train wreck, but let's go into a conversation about bird flu. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's sort of screeching the brakes and, and switching gears. But it is, uh, it's becoming an, uh, an increasing story in the last uh, couple of weeks, right? Um, you guys yeah. Um, and, uh, and, uh, I guess they found an owl that had died from it in Peconic, um, this yes, past I week. Yes, I just, I saw that, Denise, you just, you just had that story, I think, right? No, I didn't. Um, oh, so, I'm sorry. Just saw yeah, that so, somewhere this morning. Uh, so it's it here. Yeah. Maybe it's, seven times. It's here. This was, uh, um, right in, in February, it looks like from our cover. Yeah. There was a backyard flock of like eight birds that tested positive for this avian flu. Yeah. Yeah, that where was were the they? Start of it. What's that? Where were they? Uh, um, gee, wow. Um, I'm not sure actually. I'm they not. were on the east then. <laughs> yeah, I had seen the article, and I think you're right. It may have been in the Times Review newspapers that uh, that an owl was found. I didn't realize. I mean, I there's no reason they wouldn't be. I guess they're birds, but I didn't realize that that <laughs> yeah. I thought that the the damage was limited to certain breeds of birds and I didn't realize owls were at risk, but that, that has the potential to, to really be devastating. And it's funny, we were uh, driving um, up to Sag Harbor and noticing all of the osprey nests. And I don't know if the osprey are uh, at risk with something like this, but yeah, you, you know, I, I don't know, we've made such a, such a recovery uh, in the osprey population. You worry about, about something like that. Um, I think the state has stepped in too and and tried to limit like things like uh, uh, they have competitions and things with with poultry and and right. they've kind of stopped all that stuff, right? Birds have to follow all the COVID protocols now. Yes, <laughs> it's their turn. My love for bingo wears a mask at home now. Yeah, we mask up your bird if you have one. If you have chickens in your yard, put that. You know, it 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 makes sense to sort of transition into a conversation about. COVID real briefly that I'm, I'm really intrigued by the fact that, and we had a story this week with uh, Dr. Frederick Weinbaum, who's the medical director at Stony Brook Southampton Hospital. Numbers of incidents of the COVID, vaccine, uh, the COVID uh, virus are going up um, in Suffolk County. And as a matter of fact, they're going up in Suffolk County pretty, uh, pretty steadily compared to other places. But for the first time since, I think, Bill, what was it, August, I think, of last year? Yeah, I, I think. Uh, right. There are no COVID patients in, South, in Stony Brook Southampton Hospital. And, and that is testimony to the fact that a lot of what we've done over this two-year period is working now. And I think we're starting to see some dividends that it doesn't stop the virus. The virus is still going to spread, but it's limiting the cases uh, the severity of them and people aren't ending up in the hospital and fighting for their lives. Um, it's, it's a good sign, but it's, it's, it's one of those things I was going to sort of work on an editorial this week that, you know, bad news with something like a virus like this sort of flashes neon lights. You know, it, you, you see people dying and it's, it's, it's hard to, hard to miss. The good news sometimes kind of slips under the radar a little bit. It's quiet. Because because we might not notice that that this is really working well. It's uh, tip of the hat to everybody who got vaccinated and did all the right things. Yeah. It's also that the, the variant, uh, you know, the, the variants that are circulating here widely now are not um, as deadly as right. the original. I mean, you got to take that into account as well. I mean, they're not causing generally uh, lower respiratory infections the way the first you know wave is but yeah i just for numbers i couldn't i couldn't find the email real quick but i just yesterday the governor sent out a press release urging people to take caution etc with the holiday holiday get-togethers and you know like the seven and 14 day averages statewide or up of you know close to 50 percent like in the high 40 percent um and there are so many complications with understanding where that's at right now because of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all the home tests, rapid tests, are they being, you know, contact traced? Do they really do, do they, I don't feel like the government really has a handle on 
how many people have, have contracted yeah. this recently. Um, and so oh, and that's the, the, the focus has been on the home testing too. And, and so I think yeah. that then you've got to you wonder whether the numbers that they're putting out are accurate at all. If, if yeah. people are testing at home and uh, so there's a positive, but they're feeling okay because they've been vaccinated or because of the variant. So they waited out for a few days and, <clears throat> and all that. And nobody really knows that, that they tested positive. Yeah. It's not even necessarily reported. So now they're working on detecting the virus in, um, you know, sewage wastewater, uh, which is really interesting. It's a, it's sort of a way to get a big picture view of a community and, and how bad they, it is. They were, do, they were doing that at college campuses. I remember reading yeah. Syracuse university, my alum, um, uh, the, they were doing that early on in the pandemic that that's mm. big, because I mean, because it's a, you know, su a, a, such a closed community and all the, you know, the kids living on campus and all that. And, and so they were just, they were, they were testing the, 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 the sewage stuff. And if there was a positive, they could tell which, which dorm it was or, or whatever, and then go in and do, you know, more uh, concrete yeah. testing of the students. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking a class at Suffolk Community College, and for the first time this semester, they're actually, you have to go up there and get tested twice a month, even if you're just taking one class. Mm -hmm. um, and what they do is they like batch the, um, they batch the tests, and then if the batch comes back, they go back and um, test each one. Right. So, oh, I see. They just so it's really one. more for research purposes than yeah. at this point, um, but everybody yeah. still has to do it. I want to point out too that Dr. Dr. Weinbaum made the point that there are a lot better treatments now, right? And Absolutely. that has that has to do with uh, mm. you know people are able now yeah. to get medication once if they test positive that is probably nipping a lot of cases at the bud. And I, if you recall, in the early days of the pandemic, I thought one of the scariest things was the medical community, which did just such an amazing job. But they were very honest about, we don't know how to treat this um, when it first uh, flared yeah. up. And, right. and there were there was a lot of sort of throwing things at the wall just to, and I, I know that I remember that one of the things that I was really impressed with was that Stony Brook Southampton Hospital in particular was one of the early hospitals to start proning patients and finding out that that had a huge impact um, on their on their ability to fight the disease early on in the disease, it became sort of an accepted practice during that part of the pandemic. But you look back to where we were in the darkest days, and you compare it to now. There, there are options now for dealing with the virus when it flares up. So it's it's good news, but boy, it's just still still out there and nagging. And and I wonder, I so many people. It's remarkable to me how many people seem to be traveling. Uh, this, you know, in April, March and April, and I'm sure into May, uh, leaving the, the East End to go other places where they've put off trips for a long time. Um, be interesting to see if there's, you know, we, ex I, I think you would expect that with the arrival of spring and summer, the caseload may start to drop a little bit because, you know, fewer people were stuck indoors. But that may be a variable we're not planning for, too, is all the traveling and people getting out in airports and things. I think it's going to be a, a really wild summer too, and, and a lot of gatherings. And um, so, so we were um, on, on Thursday night. We had a, a going away party for our photographer Michael Heller, who's um, who's moving to to Greece, um, and we we certainly wish him well. But at the party, I was talking to um, you know one of the the restaurant workers, and, and they noted that. Um, there's, they're, they're just doing a lot of parties lately and they're doing a lot of catch up parties like, oh, you had your 40th birthday a year and a half ago, but we never celebrated it. So let's celebrate it now. And I think you're just going to see so much of that this summer. It's just going to be the roaring 20s that we talked about a year and a half ago that we were going to get to when this was all over, that that these gatherings are happening. You're, you're just going to see. You know, uh, I, I think on, on the East End in, in general, you're just going to see, you know, a lot of 
um, a lot of social activities. And I wonder if that's going to have an effect or look, are we given everything that we talked about the last few minutes? Are, are we at the light at the end of the tunnel? Is it, you know, given given no new variants, no new worse variants, are we are we now managing this? Is it endemic now or, or you know, are we to the point where, where we can just, you know, um, see this as, as moving forward with this kind of in the rearview mirror, get, you know, get up, update, you know, get a booster every couple months and, you know, and, and, and move forward. Or, or are we still feeling like we're in, in the middle of this? What's our scare level? Mm. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm more and more comfortable. <laughs> I'm more and more comfortable without a mask, but I still don't, go maskless in grocery stores and things like that. Just, you know, just out of an abundance of caution. And, you know, I got to say, this leads to, it's interesting to me, the catch up parties and things like that. I, I think it's, a, it's going to be a real boom period for yeah. a lot of businesses this summer. But and I was just having a conversation uh, yesterday with uh, an owner of a very popular deli. And uh, he said, he's going to close Mondays and Tuesdays now because he just doesn't have the staff, staff. Mm. and he can't ask his staff to work any more hours. And he said, it is just impossible to find anybody to work. You know, the, the, the young people who used to be fill those jobs in the summer really don't, don't come out for those jobs anymore. And it's, it's, it's become brutal. You know, the thing that struck me about that is in so, in so many places, businesses are struggling for business. There's plenty of business here for these guys. They just don't have the staff mm. to do it, but, but you're leaving money on the table. Um, that's a scary thought heading into summer because that's when a lot of these businesses, yeah. you know, survive for the year. Well, some of it comes down to pay. Um, I, I saw a program uh, a while back when they were talking about this stuff where a uh, guy was saying that he advertised for a position and got, I think, zero people. It was, a you know, a, maybe a clerk at a pizza restaurant or something, and he got zero people. And then just to see, he he changed the ad and raised the price to $15 an hour or whatever it was, and he got like a thousand people. Yeah. So, you know, it may just come down to, you know, right now, um, is the uh, from what I've heard uh, at least uh, is that this is sort of the first time in decades that the economy has been in the hands of the worker. Uh, mm -hmm. No, so it's, it's bid, bidding wars. Who's going to pay you more? And, and it's certainly, you know, you can name your price. I think in a lot of different areas. It's a correct. Uh, and we saw that. that uh, oh, sorry. I was going to say no, we saw a, 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 a unprecedented situation where you know people were getting like sign-on bonuses and things like that yeah. last year, right? I mean, um, that I think you can expect to see that kind of thing again. And I think as, it does come back around to moves. being able to afford to live here. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have to have a certain wage to be able to afford to live here, and and. You know, it, it just gets harder and harder. To, you know, you have to you really can't import workers from elsewhere because there's no place for them to live. It's just been an ongoing. Every, you know, every, nothing every, everything comes back to affordable housing. We, we say that every single. Absolutely. And, and we just had an express session of, event about that. And uh, I think it's all tied together. And, and uh, I think we're at a real critical moment for a lot of reasons. The pandemic certainly didn't help. But I think we would have gotten here anyway. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. You can, you can uh, shameless plug here. You can watch that express express sessions event right here on, on WLIW website, or you can go to 27east.com and look for the coverage. And we have the full video on uh, both websites. Um, Those conversations are terrific. They really, they really are. Bill hosted this one, and and uh, I I just bring as, together. As somebody a lot of, was out of town, Joe. <laughs> I was out of town traveling because I'm catching up on my traveling. Yeah, I'm one of the. <laughs> I have tested negative across the board, however, so I and I've masked up very good the whole time. I promise. Uh, this is behind the headlines on WLIWFM. I'm Joe Shaw. My co-host is Bill Sutton. We're with the Express News Group. Our panelists today are Beth Young of the East End Beacon. Uh, Oliver Peterson from danspapers.com and Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local. Um, so let's talk about cannabis. Uh, and Beth, we're, 
was it Beth or Denise? I, I'm sorry, I forget who I was talking to about Denise. this. Before. <laughs> At least great. It was, <laughs> uh, I was telling what, about a, a story I just posted this morning. Yeah, about, what's the new? That's right. Yeah. What's the new development? There's something you you've got so, uh, a license uh, awarded in your territory, right? Yeah. So like, you know, the state which uh, legalized uh, recreational marijuana last year, uh, they are licensing, as we've all talked about, uh, retail outlets and um, on-site um, uh, consumption lounges. Uh, uh, and and they are also licensing uh, commercial cultivators. And um, they issued this, the uh, Cannabis Control Board yesterday approved the first 52 um, provisional uh, adult use cannabis licenses. And uh, one of them is in the town of Riverhead. Um, it's a nursery stock grower in the town of Riverhead by the name of uh, Plant Connection on Sound Avenue, um, where there's also not in the same location, but Sound Avenue is also home to a, a medical marijuana um, a growing operation since uh, last year around this time last may uh, columbia care bought a greenhouse uh, farm there so um that's kind of cool there were three i think in um suffolk county from what i can tell um because they didn't give out locations just uh -huh. uh, names and um um so there's a 27 <laughs> 27 hop yard AKA this is this is not a spinoff. This is not it's a spinoff of twenty seven. that up initially. 2070s. Yeah, no, it's not our not our not our store. But uh, it's a farm in in Mauritius, um, and um, and then there was a license issued to um, a company registered to a Shirley uh, woman, and I don't <laughs> I, I couldn't find a location for that company called East End Flowers. Um, so, so, so Denise, are, are these licenses for cultivation or are they for sale yeah. or both? Cultivation and, and the law prohibits them from be, for being for both. Like people who get cultivation licenses cannot be have an ownership interest or be connected with um, a retail licensee or um, an on-site consumption licensee. They, the, law, the state law last year uh, required them to be separated that prohibited that. So, um, so I mean, you know, there's gonna be, there, like, there are gonna be licenses for processing plants, licenses for distribution companies. Um, there's even gonna be delivery companies apparently under the law. I mean, they didn't, you know, this has been kind of a slow grind with the Office of Cannabis Management because obviously this is all new territory, but um, you know, they've revised and they're doing another revision of the uh, medical marijuana uh, regulations and cultivation regulations for mar medical marijuana. Um, and then, you know, there's also you're allowed to cultivate uh, or grow um, plants at home for home use, mm -hmm. um, for your own use. Um, and that's um, up, six, up to six adult and six uh juvenile i don't know if that's the right word per per uh, household um, and it just we should say denise this was just sort of a first round of licenses right this yeah uh, so the governor said come. that they got they got 150 applications uh filed through their online portal uh for these cultivator licenses which opened up march 15th i think it was and um that um that so far they've issued these 52 um so uh, the, the farm in Riverhead has is, has been growing hemp also for CBD oil production. They've been doing that. So um, I also should point out that the, that we're going to have a grow operation and a uh, uh, distribution operation on uh, Shinnecock territory, and I think that's probably going to be outside the licenses that are awarded by the state. I suspect that they will. Mm -hmm. I, I actually I have to confess I, I'm not sure how that process works, but I don't believe. Uh, the Shinnecock Nation they're, is going to. They're not part of that. They they've agreed yeah. to. They they they've agreed to um, you know follow the regulations on the legalization and all that, but they're not going to be subject to the licensing. They don't need a license from the state, so there will be uh, a distribution place. And I know there there are certainly going to be other applicants uh, on the South Fork and probably on the North Fork as well. But uh, I know Dave Falkowski. Uh, is likely one of the applicants for for one of those. He's been, you know, growing hemp uh, in Bridgehampton for a long time. So uh, 
lot of people watching that closely. And, and you know, it's interesting to me that, that one, of the, one of the things with the cannabis business that people may not understand is it's still federally illegal to trans, transport uh, cannabis across state lines. So any marijuana that's going to be sold in New York state has to be grown in New York state. So these cultivation licenses are, are really crucial to get out uh, as a first step to get a crop growing that can start to provide, to, you know, to meet the demands that, that are going to be fairly huge. You would expect, you know, once, once the retail operations open up, uh, it's a complicated operation. You know, setting up a whole new economy for this is a complicated thing, isn't it? Sure, it's a new industry. There, yeah. there are some big players coming to um, Taylor Vesey just wrote an article uh, for behind the hedges um, that, uh, you know, Columbia care, which is this one of the largest cultivators, manufacturers and providers of cannabis um, uh, as they've had this processing uh, cultivation operation, Jamesport, uh, and they just merged with Cresco Labs. Um, it's like a $2 billion stock merger. Hmm. Um, that's just a small part of it. But, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, the, uh, what is it? So, yeah. So basically Columbia Care entered into this agreement in 2016 for $42 million purchase of 34 acres in, in Jamesport. Yeah. Uh, and then you now this Cresco Labs, I mean, this is like big money business, you know, big, big stuff. A lot sure. of money. Yeah. yeah. And I, Dave Falkowski talked about, I mean, I would, I would, characterize him as sort of like a craft beer guy in a brewery industry. And he made the point that if the state doesn't act quickly to give out licenses to local growers and local retailers, the, that market will be gobbled up very quickly by large organizations, you know, multi, multi-state groups that have everything all set up and ready to go. And, and it, it, it'll be less benefit for uh, New York entrepreneurs, you know, the ones that you would think would be the ones that you'd want to have benefit the most from this. So. Um, I think we're out of time. Uh, this went very quickly this week. I want to thank our panelists, uh, Beth Young of East End Beacon, uh, Oliver Peterson of dancepapers.com and Denise Sitaletti of Red Local. Thank you guys, as always. Thank you. And thank you to my co-host, Bill Sutton. Bill, thanks for being here. Thank you, Joe. It's always a pleasure. I'm, I'm Joe Shaw. We'll be back next week with Behind the Headlines here on WLIWFM.